Welcome to True Crime and Red Wine. We're your hosts, Britton Polk and Leslie Winsman. If you found us, you can expect some true crime, rad mysteries, definitely some murder, and you guessed it, red wine. We're just two best friends with a true crime obsession, so pour yourself a glass, sit back, and enjoy. There may be some graphic content and explicit language, so put in the AirPods and let's get to it. You know what's funny? Like, we keep talking about this, how you're coming to your more rebellious side, uh-huh. and it's like, and I've like mellowed out a tiny bit, but I think everybody still expects like... The worst? Like, I was good friends with <laughs> And like I don't think okay you, that's true you don't understand how much I've mellowed out like I don't know that I would have liked you then no you would have because I also like my really good friend Katie but I don't know that you would have liked me then I don't think I would have liked you well I don't think I would have liked you you would have I didn't even like my husband I'm nothing like Dallas I was I know but it's funny because I'm that kind of person I'm like I hate that person I love this person but you would have liked me pre-Dallas Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know. Would we have been stepping on each other's toes? We might have just been having a lot of fun together. We're both very alpha. We probably also would have been dead at this point if we knew each other back then. Oh my god, we're back! What? We made it another one? Oh, you made it a week. Here we are. Oh, it's so good. Red wine in hand? It is here. Okay, we're going we... to drink Meg's Pardon tonight, and it's a blend, uh-huh. and it's um, from 2018, so it's more your style. Are these good grapes? Because <laughs> <laughs> you know I don't know. Um, let's see. It's... This is the prettiest wine bottle. Yeah, and it's from Napa, and um, it doesn't say it's actual Wine Spectator rating. I don't think, but it has to be over 90 because of that wine club that I'm in. What is it called? First Leaf? Uh, Me- <laughs> Meg's Pardon. No, the wine club. Oh, yeah, called First Leaf. But I, you know, I'm a sucker for marketing, so that bottle would, that could be the shittiest wine, and I would buy it and drink it happily because it's a pretty bottle. But it's so delicious. It is. It I is. love it. Ooh, it's so it's two little flavor notes that it mentions are blackberry and spice, and like, what could be better than those two together? And it's, so it's a blend. Perfect. It doesn't actually say which grapes it's comprised of, but it's really good, so y'all should try it. It is super good. I'm loving it. Yep. One glass, one, and I'm going to hold it together because yeah. we've got we've got to get through some stuff today. Yeah, last week we did not pace very well, so I'm going <laughs> to be mindful. So last week we decided, if you tuned in, that we were going to both select a red wine, and that sounded great in theory... Until and then by the end, all of it. <laughs> <laughs> so we each had a bottle of wine during the segment. So tonight we've decided we're going to share a bottle. And if need be, like, we might open another one. <laughs> but also, to be fair, last week we were already like, what, at least half bottle in yeah, before we, were. we started. You're right. Yeah. So like this time we're going to I'll probably open a second bottle. But, you know, we'll be. But we'll, yeah, we'll be good. And I'll record first because I'm kind of the hot mess one. Okay. <laughs> And you told me this is kind of a downer story. So we'll start on a downer and end on a that's weird note. Oh, strange. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. This is how my kids drink out of their cups. Immediately, first thing in the morning, they go. I can't stand that. It, what like, is oh, it? Bah! It's all be like, please drink like a civilized human. And Heidi goes. 
it tastes better when I do this. Don't suck it to the back of your throat. <laughs> and I'm like, girl, it does not taste better. I just had the funniest image, and I have to tell you because you're in his exact spot. Oh, God. Last night, Kenneth's like, will you bring me a glass of milk? And I'm like, sure. So I was getting another cocktail. So I go and I get his milk. And, like, it was, you know, like, full, I guess, to mm-hmm. here. So a normal <laughs> human would, like, sit up. So he goes. <laughs> <laughs> like, with his, like, little, like, like lift head. your head up. I'm like, sit up. What are you doing? And he's like, you made it full. I'm like, so sit up. Like, I thought you were going to sit up and drink it. Is it his comfy spot. You know when you find that spot, you can't move. Do you know when I find that comfy spot every night? Hmm. Right before I have to pee. <laughs> but seriously, it's. Every single night. Like, I'll get so comfortable. And I'll have, like, Dallas's foot will be in the right spot. And my foot will be in the right spot. And I've, like, got my hand, like, where it's just cozy. And then, like, that little tingle happens. Always. In the bladder. Always. (laughs) It angers me. Because Dallas goes to sleep. I'll be like, okay, babe, I love you. And we kiss every night. It's just the same thing. We kiss. He pulls his little mask down over his eyes. And he's he is doing sleeping breathe. I'm not kidding. And at like maximum 30 seconds, you know, like the sleeping breathe. Yeah. Yes. 30 seconds. And me, I lay there. I think about the stories we're going to tell. Last night I thought about art and the project I want to work on. I was up for at least an hour. Just thinking. Nothing bad. Like, not like anxiety or anything. It's just like, oh, I just have things to think about now that it's quiet. We have the opposite. So I sit and drink and I've been watching Love Island and it's so good well this is after the tv shows well so i just watch love island and i you know drink mm-hmm. and eventually i should go sleep now and it's wonderful yeah and kenneth and then he'll turn on his stupid show and he does this thing where he will fall asleep and he immediately starts snoring and i'll be like <laughs> turn his show Turn your show off. And I'm, like, hey, hey, I'm not asleep. <laughs> yes. And it happens like five times every night. And eventually I just get mad and turn the TV off. It's like, you're asleep. Because he doesn't even notice at that point. So then the best part though, and he doesn't believe me, and it's happened like three different times, is um, like three hours into us both asleep, he'll pop away and be like, why'd you turn my show off? I was watching that. I wasn't asleep. I'm like, yeah, homie, that was a long time ago. <laughs> You've been asleep. That's such an old man thing. <laughs> Like, that is a grandpa thing. I mean, we're getting up there. Last, Actually, it's the way I'm sitting right now. Last night, I had my leg all twisted while we were watching TV, and I got up to pee, and my leg hurts so bad. <laughs> I'm not even 33 yet. <laughs> my joints are going I'm out. I'm telling you, something, like, happens after 30. Like, your cells are like, oh, we're 30 now. and We're done. We've done our work. It starts, like, nic- like our bodies start nickel and diming us a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, my back. Oh. My back hurts so bad. My lower back, like an old lady. Mine only does that if I'm in bed too long. Like, if I watch TV too long, like, the night before. Are you calling me out right now? Mm -mm, Are you saying I'm mm -mm, in bed? Damn. mm -mm. I would, no. Can I I have my first glass of wine first before we start throwing? I would never do that. You are getting defensive because something I've said is true. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Listen here. I don't know what you're implying. (laughs) I just admitted I do the same thing. (laughs) Where'd you hear her? I know. Look, she does. She's like, we hang out in this bed all day. She's like, y'all are always crazy and all all night. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, girl, I'm ready. So lay it on me. What are we talking about today? 
All right, so this week uh, I'm going to talk about the infamous University of Texas tower shooter, Charles Ooh. Joseph Whitman. Okay, heard this story. This is a brutal one. It, it's a really brutal one, but also being born and raised in Texas, uh, I was kind of surprised at some of the stuff I'm going to tell you about that I didn't actually know. All right, are you going to history buff me? Maybe a little bit. Okay. You might already know it. Maybe I'm just... Only if... Only because I've heard some of the stories. But I bet you're going to surprise me with a lot of things. Don't put pressure. I've never dug into this on my own. I've only heard other retellings of it. So I'm excited to hear your your rendition. Here we go. So uh, he was a really intelligent 25-year-old former Marine who committed what is considered to be the first ever mass murder. Wow, he just started off with a bang on this story. He wasn't actually, so I kind of looked into that, like, wow, like, that is the worst, like, most infamous thing to be famous for. So there was actually um, a school bombing, like, in the 20s, I think, but it wasn't um, considered, like, the first mass murder in the same way because, like, this was the very first time there were actual reporters there. We have live footage. Like, oh, okay. Kind of the first documented. All right. But it's billed as this is the first mass murder in yeah. America. So, anyway. All right. Here we go. <laughs> Buckle you up. just really went into it on week two. I, I mean, week one was heavy, too. <laughs> like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I can't just, like, pick, like, the alien abductions or the missing persons. Like, nope. Straight in. I feel like we also um, said last week, we know which one of us is the dark side and which one of us is the light side. So I feel like we're really staying true to that. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not going to lie. It's probably always going to be really dark with me because that's just my nature. It is. Yep. I knew it going in. Now everybody else knows. You've been warned. All right. (laughs) Tell us about it. All right. So CJ Whitman grew up in a tumultuous home. Uh, Charles Sr., his dad, was a tyrannical pig who regularly abused his wife, Margaret, and three sons. CJ was the eldest of the three boys. One of the only bonding experiences the kid had with their dad was a love for guns. By the age of two, one, two, CJ was already learning how to shoot wild game. Okay. That also sounds very Texas. I don't even, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. We love Texas. Don't get us wrong, but that's very Texas. He wasn't actually... Born and raised in Texas. Wait, where did it say? I didn't say. He, oh, okay. Just because he, like, he, but it happened in Texas. Okay, yes. but he's not from here. No, Florida. He was born in Florida. Oh, I didn't know the Floridians were also into their guns like this. I don't think they are. Just these people. <laughs> okay, <laughs> special people. <laughs> yes. Uh, Charles Senior once boasted to friends Charlie could plug the eye out of a squirrel by the time he was sixteen. Ooh-wee. He's not Texan, <laughs> but I had to give him a Texan <laughs> accent because it just who else would say that? It's like, very rednecky. Like, we are Texans. <laughs> we can say that about us. Like that made some squirrels and dumplings for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what is that? The Beverly Hillbillies. Yeah. <laughs> no, so actually, side note, Kenneth had an appointment one time. And he was outside talking to these people, and the lady was outside. I think he told you this story one time. He was, she was skinning squirrels. Yes, yes. And Kenneth was <laughs> horrified. <laughs> and they were like, just like it was nothing. Kenneth's yeah. like, what is that? Like, oh, squirrels. Yeah. I'm like some. I think it was like squirrel stew or you know something. Kenneth's like, yeah. Oh my god. He said it was a whole bucket full. Girl, I grew up like small town living. People ate squirrels. It's yeah. sad. Well, I imagine that smells like fart. Like, I don't know why, but that's just the image I have. Like, greasy fart. <laughs> You're such a boy mom! <laughs> when you said 
squirrel stew with like cartoon green like fragrant stuff coming out of the top. <laughs> so if anyone knows, the squirrels smell like farts. Let us know. If you skin and cook them. Yeah. Also, if it's good. And also, you should you should it. try chicken and leave squirrels alone. <laughs> That's true. Kind of gross. You can just bite at the store. Yeah, I buy already like pulled rotisserie <laughs> chicken, separated into white meat. As a matter of fact, too bougie. So he had a rough upbringing, but he still showed a lot of promise. In addition to being an Eagle Scout, CJ also graduated seventh out of his high school class of seventy-two people. Top ten. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's only 72 people, but, like, you know, yeah, give credit where it's due. Like, sure. He was the seventh. Mm-hmm. Uh, but instead of pursuing college, he secretly enlisted into the Marine Corps. So, uh, one night, sorry, I'm saying so, so much again, Dallas, please don't scold me. <laughs> <laughs> so, one <laughs> can't stop. It's hard. At least we don't say like a lot. Uh, do we not? I don't even know if I notice it anymore. No. I might. Like, no, I don't, I don't feel like like comes out that often. You want me to pop you in the mouth if it does? No. Okay. I'll just ask him. Just to edit it. I think okay. that sounds better. It's easier, less painful. <laughs> uh, so, he, uh, is that better? <laughs> I don't know. This is, guys, not even a glass of wine in, I promise. <laughs> this is just us all the time. Say it again. <laughs> no, so. So, you're going to say it again. I was about to. It's so hard. It really, oh, I almost did it again. One night, (laughs) (laughs) Mm. one night he was out drinking with friends, came home super drunk, and his dad busted him. His dad beat him and then threw him in a pool. Mm. So, CJ's. So it was in context. It was a I, sentence. I it's heard a fanboy. It. Yep. Okay. Got it. Okay. <laughs> so CJ <laughs> secretly enlisted into the Marines to get away from home. Mm-hmm. He needed out of there. While in the Marines, he earned a sharpshooter's badge Ooh. as well as the Marine Corps Expeditionary Medal. At the age of 20, he was accepted into a scholarship program. He took the test. He received a 226 score out of 250. So he was extremely intelligent. And he was transferred to UT Austin to study mechanical engineering. Once in Austin, CJ met Kathy Leisner and married her six months later on August 17th, 1962. So they were only together five months before they announced their engagement, got married the very next month. Kathy is also the only girlfriend he ever had. Oh, so he was like, got to lock it down. Yeah, I guess so. Um, his grades ended up calling, uh, falling apart. And there are some experts who think that because of the really strict household he was raised in with his really abusive dad and then joining the military right away, as soon as he was given some freedom in college, mm-hmm. he just kind of went off the rails and his grades fell apart. Like We know he was really smart and he just kind of stopped trying. I feel like that's a pretty standard story, too. I mean, don't we all do that? Yeah. <laughs> you get your first taste of freedom, like, no, I'm going to party all night. I feel like we're first-hand accounts of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, parents. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in early March 1966, Margaret, Whitman's mom, finally worked up the courage to leave her abusive husband And she decided to move to Austin so that she could be closer to CJ and Kathy. 
Kathy had let her know that they were kind of having some marital issues and CJ was like kind of getting angry with her. So Margaret decided like maybe they needed her to be close by. So she got an oh. apartment. She lived by herself. She didn't live with them. <laughs> so she feels very important. <laughs> I'm not I'm even going to go there. save your marriage. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that this is how it works. <laughs> even though CJ knew that his dad was terrible to his mom, the separation was still really hard on him. And it was kind of like the catalyst for his life to just fall apart. He was complaining of headaches, so he started abusing Excedrin and amphetamines, trying to feel normal and trying to gain some control. Oh, yeah, because I guess mental health was not... Yeah, it wasn't talked wasn't a about. Thing. Like, yeah. to- especially growing up in like this really strict house, like your dad who would berate you for mm-hmm. everything. And then also being in the Marines, I'm sure, being like, I'm not feeling... Oh, you're allowed to feel. I can't imagine he would feel comfortable admitting that. Yes. Except, here we go. This poor guy was feeling so bad. In early, nope. Please cut that part out. (laughs) On March 29th, 1966, Whitman had a consultation with psychiatrist Dr. Maurice Heatley. CJ spoke about his struggle with not repeating the abusive tendencies of his father and admitted to his psychiatrist that he had hit Kathy twice, and he was mortally afraid of being like his dad. So I read through the transcripts. Um, A lot of the information, like a lot of kind of the background information on him wasn't released until 20 years after the case because they could not definitively prove that his dad had been abusive, and so they didn't want to air anything that might embarrass him. Like, I guess that was the time in the 60s mm-hmm. where you would just assume a normal family man wouldn't be crazy. Yeah. I mean, I guess it was like head of household kind of thing. Like, don't shame yeah. your name. Yeah, I guess so. So they uh, they held off on all of the information about that about the actual family and whether or not the dad um, like was doing these things until 20 years later. Not helpful. Not helpful. Come on, people. So um, when I was reading through his report, there were a couple little bits of the transcript that really jumped out to me. One was this little sentence. He said that uh, his wife has become more comfortable with him and says that she really has less fear of him now than in the past because he's made a more intense effort to avoid losing his temper with her. Oh, what a gentleman. When I read that, I just started <laughs> imagining, like, what was this poor woman living through? Seriously. Like, oh, she's not as afraid of you now? Good on you, bud. Wow. Like, write a book. Teach <laughs> us your ways. Jerk. Um, Another one. Ugh, not to give anything else away, but... I think you know where we're going anyway. This one is, the youth says that his father has averaged calling him 48 hours, every 48 hours for several weeks, petitioning him to persuade his mother to return to him. He alleges to have no intentions of trying to do that and retains his hostility towards his father. Although he identifies with his mother in the above matter, his real concern is with himself at the present time. He readily admits having overwhelming periods of hostility with a very minimum of provocation. Repeated inquiries attempting to analyze his exact experiences were not too successful, with the exception of his vivid reference to, and I quote, thinking about going up on the tower with a deer rifle and shooting people. I 
feel like Wellbutrin or something would have been would have been a better option. So this, so <laughs> the psychiatrist <clears throat> was alarmed. Also, like I said before, there really weren't a lot of cases of mass murders. So someone says that, and you're like, oh, now, yeah, that's different. Oh, now sure. someone said you, but so he heard this, and he's like, dude, like you're falling apart. Like you need to get it together. Tells him you need to come back in a week. Like we need to continue therapy. That's it. Doesn't alert anybody. Mm -hmm. Doesn't prescribe him any medications. Were medications a thing then? I, I mean, I guess if they were, it would be like really. I just know they had like really weird therapies back then, but like electroshock therapy. Yes, it it still is around. Yeah, like, I know someone who's gone. Really? Mm -hmm. I don't know anybody. Mm -hmm. like, I picked her up after treatment one time. What? Yeah. She sat in the back. I will never forget it. Eating uh, club crackers and just shaking. What was it for? Bipolar disorder. Okay. Well, who doesn't like like how barbaric? Like, normal? Aren't we past that? Like, please don't treatment? shock your brain. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. You know that's what? So bizarre. Yeah, I haven't actually studied how effective it is, but just the thought of it. Yes. I don't know. And I've seen like it depicted in movies and it looks just yeah the worst. <laughs> you think of like Girl Interrupted. Like, no, yes. please don't do that. It's been a long time. We should have a night and watch that again. Uh, we're already in the bed. Okay. When we're done with this. Forget this podcast. Kenneth, just kidding. <laughs> I'll let Kenneth know. Go hang out with Dallas. Yes. We're busy. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so now we're going to jump to July 31st, 1966. So this is, what is that? April, May, June, July. Four months later. Mm -hmm. Whitman goes out to lunch with his mom and wife and drops Kathy off for her day shift. Uh, that evening, Whitman began to write a letter on the typewriter, but he was interrupted when his wife and their friend showed up to hang out. Just after midnight on August 1st, Whitman drove to his mother's house and stabbed her to death in the heart. What? Oh, uh, he placed her in her bed and covered her face with the bed sheets. Wow, this is sounding a whole lot like last week. That's it's freaky. I don't know how I picked two stories that had so much similarity. Watch out, Gail. What? What? So then he drove home and murdered his wife in the exact same way. And then once was his friend wait was the friend there? No, the friend just came over like to oh, okay you know have dinner and visit, but it just interrupted like his flow for mm -hmm. writing the letter. So before he was writing on a typewriter, it's all nice and neat. So after he killed his wife, he then finished the letter all in freehand. Um, I'm gonna read you the letter when I'm done with all of this, but it is almost impossible to read his handwriting at the bottom of this letter letter at the bottom of this letter it is it is just almost like scribble and i looked at other samples of his writing and he actually had pretty nice penmanship so he just was like manic at this point exactly i think it just shows how erratic he was mm -hmm. he finished the letter at 3 48 a.m he wrote down the time like that he was interrupted wrote down the time he came back to finish it like wanted all of this documented so august 1st he goes and rents a truck and cashed $250, which, like, for today would be about $2,000 of bad checks at the bank. He then drove to a hardware store where he purchased a 30 caliber Universal M1 carbine, 
and two additional ammunition magazines and eight boxes of ammunition, telling the cashier that he was planning to hunt wild hogs. <laughs> Not quite. Like, that's kind of a rude way to describe people. Seriously. At a gun shop, he purchased four more carbine magazines, six additional boxes of ammunition, and a can of gun cleaning solvent. Last, that's like a freaking crap ton. It's an arsenal. Like, that's... Like, you're going to war? Yes. Last shopping stop was to Sears, where he purchased a Sears Model 60 12-gauge semi-automatic shotgun. I have one of those. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I'm scared. <laughs> I don't have any guns. <laughs> and then he returned home, and he sawed it off. Hmm. So. Man, like, he, it's almost like he didn't even, like, it was, it was planned. Like, yes, but... He was, like, just going... He was doing it. Like, he was committed. He went to all these different stores. Yeah, it, it comes off very, like, chaotic. Like, you were writing a letter, notated you were interrupted, like, hung out with your wife and her, you know, friend, wife goes to sleep, you go and kill your mom, come back home, kill your wife, and then you sit down, finish your letter at 3.48 a.m. So, it's mm -hmm. not like there's, like, a whole lot of time left to sleep. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't even know if he did go to sleep, because then he's up at the store. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so... It's a lot. <clears throat> okay. So now we're back home. Morning up. So then he packs a bag with a Remington 700 6mm bolt-action hunting rifle, 35 caliber pump rifle, the M1 carbine, a 9mm Luger pistol, a Gillespie Brescia 25 caliber pistol, a Smith & Wesson M19, a 357 Magnum revolver, the sawed-off shotgun, and more than 700 rounds of ammunition. How many guns was that you just rattled off? I'm going to count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Wow. That is so much. Yes. All in a bag. <sighs> like, what kind of bag was that? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I need it for vacation. <laughs> It's like a Mary Poppins bag. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> but seriously, though, it had to be. <laughs> God, that's a crap ton of ammunition. So he also packed food, coffee, vitamins, dexedrine. You're not going to need those vitamins. Excedrin, earplugs, jugs of water, matches, lighter fluid, rope, binoculars, a machete, three other knives, a transistor radio. Toilet paper, a razor, and a bottle of deodorant because nobody wants to smell bad when you're being a psycho. <laughs> or have stubble. <laughs> and toilet paper because nature calls. <laughs> it's the most bizarre list. It is. Horrifying. Like, where where was his brain? It was, like, all over the place. Like, food, toilet paper, shit ton of guns. Like, maybe I'm yeah. throwing a rope. Like, how long was this guy planning on being there in the tower? Right. Well, I ends up. I guess a while. So once he felt he was organized, he left the house and went to the University of Texas Tower. He headed up to the observation desk, fatally injuring the receptionist. And there was also a family that he killed while going up there. Oh. Yeah. How many people? Uh, four people. It's oh, awful. Yeah. Because apparently it's like actually a tourist attraction too. Like mm -hmm. it's at the college, but it's kind of like in the middle and it's really high. I think it was 27 stories high. You would know you did you see a picture yeah but i'm trying oh, to like, yeah yeah and so it's like 
kind of like, I guess, like the highest place or something mm-hmm. at the time. So you could kind of see everything. So tourists, when they were there visiting Austin, would like to go up there. Okay. So this campus. Fam- and- yeah. So this family was like a tourist family, just mm. checking it out. Uh, once he reached the deck, he began shooting at the people below. Uh, I'm going to... I'm going to be as respectful as possible in this horrible case. Um, I decided I don't want to talk in detail mm-hmm. about the majority. Like, you know, I don't think that this needs to be like, this is such a terrible gory story as it is. I don't want to like sensationalize with, yeah, you know, so understandable. His first shot hit Claire Wilson, who was eight months pregnant. What? Yeah. First shot. And, like, remember I told you, like, Dad said he could shoot the eye out of a yes, squirrel Yes, so he 16. knew. Yes, got the sharpshooter badge. Like, he was a fantastic shot. And he saw her walking with her boyfriend, eight months pregnant, shot her. She actually survived. Wow. But she got shot and fell down. And her boyfriend got on top of her to try to protect her. He oh, He got no. shot. And he died on the spot right next to her. Bless her heart. She's just laying there. Laying there. So she was the first one shot. And so she had to lay there on this hot pavement in Texas. Like, guys, Texas is <laughs> hot. Like, in August? Whew. Oh, the worst month. That is, like, like, the worst of the 12. You go to the pool barefoot. Like, that pavement yeah. is awful. And so I can't even imagine going through that and then just laying there on this hot pavement seeing your boyfriend dead next to you like and like knowing some beating on you well on top of it you know she's bleeding and pregnant eight months pregnant you're you're massive at that point yes absolutely and just like i'm sure i'm sure she was just laying there in pain thinking like i'm gonna die right here like i am just going to suffer and my baby and and my baby and i'm gonna eventually just die right here Mm mm-hmm so, because she was in the middle of what they called the mall, and so it was like a big open area, and so um, nobody else could go out there to try to pull her body back in. Oh, okay. Because it's in the wide shooting. open. Yes, there was nothing covering that area, and so everybody's, you know, kind of hiding, um, like, behind the little walls, and they can see her and, like, talk to her, but nobody could go out and get her without mm-hmm. putting themselves in danger. So, um eventually in like this story like this part of it was just like in the middle of this terrible tragedy it's like but people are good you know like mm-hmm. humans can be really good like mm-hmm. so in the middle of all of this this woman named Rita Star Pattern who had never met Claire before Star Pattern it's the best last name I feel like I love her also um I read that she had bright red hair which made her just so much oh, cooler. she's like a firecracker. So much cooler. Like, <laughs> you know, she had like the best joints and like she was just the coolest. If I get a dog, I'm naming a star pattern. Okay, let's like, get a dog. Like, okay. Okay. My husband would not be happy with either of us, but it's fantastic. So I'm about to fall in love with Rita's star pattern. Yes. Okay. So Rita understands that they can't move Claire. You know, mm-hmm. obviously she's, you know, one person. She can't move her. Mm-hmm. So instead, she runs out from safety and goes and lays down with her and stayed with her the whole rest of the time, partly to keep her conscious because she okay. was losing blood. Mm-hmm. And then also just to comfort her. She was just talking, you know, Claire, like risking her life for the stranger, risking her life. Also, like not only is there like a very real threat here with an active shooter, mm-hmm. this pavement is super hot. Yeah. 
And this woman, just like the goodness in her, she could not take seeing her out there suffering alone. Rita, and just I went be out there Rita. to be with her. So, like that, it just I know that's really moving. Yes. I know. I am not even an emotional person. Like I don't like any of that sap <laughs> and stuff. And I was like, oh, <laughs> your heart grew. I'm like the Grinch. You like two are sizes. the Grinch. <laughs> All because of Rita. All because of Rita. See a Rita, everybody. Uh, so Whitman shot most of his victims near or in the heart. In total, he ended up murdering 16 people and wounded 30 more what? on the campus. So it was, so I keep saying so. That's a lot of people. Were like emergency services even able to come in at all? What? Oh, I'm sorry. Jumping. Okay. You should be a reporter. You ask good questions. (laughs) Right on pace with where I'm going. (laughs) He was able to shoot at all of these college students um, for so long because there wasn't a protocol for what to do for a mass shooter. It, It really hadn't happened. They never considered it. The SWAT team actually credits this case as the reason of their inception. Like, because of this, because there was no, like, emergency plan for Mm -hmm. what they would do. Like, the other, you know, FBI and police, they did not work together before this. Like, there just wasn't, like, a big, massive, like, in the spur of the moment. Yeah. Like, it was each department for their own. Yes, there wasn't just, like, a panic, you know, alert that they could send where all hands, you know, are going to rush in. Like, also, can you imagine living during a time when we don't go into a building or a room and immediately find the exit? In our minds? Yes. Like, people, they lived like that before this. Like, they never thought anything like this would ever happen. No. Like, if you know, if we go to, like, have lunch with our kids, we get buzzed into a door. Then we show our ID. That gets scanned. Yeah. You know, through the predator system, whatever that's called. Mm-hmm. And then you get a sticker on your shirt so that any teacher who looks at you knows that you're supposed to be in there. Yep. In this time, like, they had tourists just on campus. Yeah. And, yeah, there was no... No one expected this. They just got to live their little happy, hippie lives. Yeah, oh, it's the 60s. As much as I don't love the things that happened back then, oh, to just have that freedom to... Woodstock. To live like that. No, Woodstock was early 70s, wasn't it? I think it was like 71. Was it? I think All so. I know is, summer of 69. <laughs> <laughs> so, Austin PD officers, they could like talk to each other from their cars... But the majority of them didn't even have portable radios at this time. They couldn't even communicate with each other to, like, coordinate their attack. Like, Mm -hmm. once they got out of their squad cars. Oh, that was it. Yeah, like, you had to be like, hey, meet me here at this time. Like, hope you don't get shot or nothing else happens because I can't get a hold of you again. (laughs) If you don't show up, I'm just going to assume (laughs) the worst. Oh, God. So, um, eventually, a group of men, um, some of them were police, and then there were a couple gun toting bystanders because it's texas, texas. Like, a gun is always available <laughs> like, we will find the gun <laughs> people got guns up the shirt yep and, guns in their socks a rifle oh i got a rifle <laughs> right here on my horse <laughs> we can do that because we're from here yes no one else can do that no <laughs> so um eventually this group gets together and they get all the way up to the 27th floor, and they are able to kill him. And, like, not only kill him, the police officer, Martinez, he empties his gun oh. 
into him. He's not coming out. And then for good measure, and I always say this when Kenneth and I are watching horror movies and they'll like shoot the person like once in the <laughs> arm. I'm like, just shoot, just shoot, like keep shooting. You have bullets and they're down. Like, why are you doing this? Don't run away. Have you never seen a scary movie? I was so satisfied when I read this part. So Martinez empties his gun, grabs the gun from the police officer next to him and goes and shoots him point blank. Like, you're not getting up. You're done. There's no more. Hey, Martinez. Like, get on you, bro. Because, like, you know, I'm not for violence. But, like, if someone is killing that many people and, like, you have them down, finish the job. Mm-hmm. You know? So, I mean, in a, in a nutshell, that's the whole story. You know, obviously there are a lot more details to it. I'm going to read you his suicide note now. Because it really, it's haunting. And it kind of fills in a lot of holes. Mm-hmm. And it... There's one more little tiny part I want to talk about after that. Okay. And it comes from this. So this is Sunday, July 31st. You know, half of this is written before Mm -hmm. he goes to his mom's. 6.45 p.m. I don't quite understand what is it that compels me to write this letter. Perhaps it is to leave some vague reason for the actions I've recently performed. I don't really understand myself these days. I'm supposed to be an average, reasonable, and intelligent young man. However, lately, I can't recall when it started, I have been a victim of many unusual and irrational thoughts. These thoughts constantly recur, and it takes a tremendous mental effort to concentrate on useful and progressive tasks. In March, when my parents made a physical break, I noticed a great deal of stress. I consulted a doctor at the University Health Center and asked him to recommend someone that I could consult with about my psychiatric disorders I felt I had. I talked with the doctor once for about two hours and tried to convey to him my fears that I have felt overwhelming violent impulses. After one session, I never saw the doctor again, and since then I've been fighting my mental turmoil alone and seemingly to no avail. After my death, I wish that an autopsy an autopsy would be performed on me to see if there is any physical disorder. I've had some tremendous headaches in the past and have consumed two large bottles of Excedrin in the past three months. It was after much thought that I decided to kill my wife, Kathy, tonight after I pick her up from work at the telephone company. I love her dearly, and she has been as fine a wife as any man could ever hope to have. I cannot rationally pinpoint any specific reason for doing this. I don't know whether it is selfishness or if I don't want her to have to face the embarrassment my actions would surely cause her. At this time, though, the prominent reason in my mind is that I truly do not consider this world worth living in and am prepared to die, and I do not want to leave her here to suffer alone in it. I intend to kill her as painlessly as possible. He used a knife. He stabbed her in the heart. Also, earlier when I was reading this, Mm -hmm. my phone changed it to iPod instead of I don't. (laughs) together you didn't even notice like i didn't want to like break stride like this is so somber and serious ipod ipod (laughs) i don't think you had an ipod similar reasons provoked me to take my mother's life also i don't think the poor woman has ever enjoyed life as she is entitled to she was a simple young woman who married a very a very possessive and dominating man all my life as a boy until i ran away from home to join the marine corps and it stops says Friends interrupted. Eight one sixty six Monday three a.m. Okay, so he so things went down just now. He literally this was all on a typewriter, mm-hmm. very nice and concise. Also, it is odd, and it has been notated if you caught it that he was writing in past tense. Like I killed my mother. 
Yeah, like he was, yes. But okay, but supposedly, like in his timeline, he hadn't killed her yet. This was supposedly written before. Yeah, so he was writing it for the reader right later. After, yes. Yeah. So then this next part is written by hand. And like I said, it's like erratic. It's mm-hmm. very shaky, kind of hard to read. Because at this point, he's already started killing. At, at this point, he's killed both of them. Yeah. <clears throat> so this is three So his adrenaline's like. Yes. So it left off with until I uh, ran away from home to join the Marine Corps. I was a witness to her being, to her being beaten at least once a month. I imagine it appears that I brutally killed two of my loved ones. I was only trying to do a quick, thorough job. If my life insurance policy is valid, please pay off my debts and donate the rest anonymously to a mental health foundation. Maybe research can prevent further tragedies of this type. And then there's a P.S. Give our dogs to my in-laws. Tell them Kathy loves Shoshi very much. If you can find it in yourselves to grant my last wish, cremate me after the autopsy. So he mentions in there multiple times, like, he really thinks something's wrong. Like, please autopsy my brain when I'm dead. Yeah, that makes me, like, I I know he's a bad guy. I know what he did was, like, absolutely horrendous. But also, like, that makes me really sad. So listen to this. Because, I mean, I had the hardest time when I was researching this case because it was, like, a wave of emotions. Like, he knew, like, he was, anyway, so listen to this and then we can discuss mm-hmm. In the autopsy, they found a pecan-sized tumor pressing up against his amygdala, thalamus, and hypothalamus. This, in case you don't know, well, you probably do know because all your medical <laughs> stuff, but this region of the brain is crucial for emotion and behavioral control. In his original autopsy, the coroner did not say, he did not think that this tumor, like, could have been responsible mm-hmm. for um, the killings. But this was also the 60s. They didn't necessarily understand. Yeah. Also, interestingly, now, if we had the scans, they could actually look at the exact spot, the size and all that, and have a pretty good idea of whether or not it did cause it. Sure. But the scans have disappeared. Of course. What is with crap disappearing? I, like, that smelt so fishy to Serious. me. Like, I mean, there's no cover-up, but Why? I don't know. It, it, yeah. I mean, maybe they didn't want to give relevancy to the fact that it did um, affect him. Yeah. Like, I, they wanted to just assume he was a bad person. I don't know. I think it's really weird. Ugh, and it's such a shame because those scans would help us understand. Yeah. And, I mean, there have been, like, tons of studies about how tumors do affect people. But, I don't know. It wouldn't have made the situation any better back then. But I'm really sad for him. Like, mental health is real shit. Like, it has to be dealt with. And back then, there was so much shame surrounding... But, like, it felt like when I read this story, like, in its entirety, like, with his suicide letter, with the psychiatrist's reports, Mm -hmm. like, this man was a prisoner in his body. Yeah. Begging for help. Not that that excuses what he did by any means. No, but, like, he legitimately went out and sought help. in the 60s. Yeah. Like, this Unheard of. Like, I I need to show you a picture of him. Like, he is, like, a good-looking, humongous, like, muscly-looking guy. Mm -hmm. You know, comes from a dad that, like, you know, gives no shits. Like, yeah. you know, this was not just in his nature to want to like, you know, whine and get help yes. like that. Like he, he was seriously struggling. And then of course you go, yeah, you didn't have to kill all those people. 100%. It's just like, I don't know why he felt that compulsion to need 
to do that. I wonder if it went back to something in his childhood that. Yeah. So there were like, there were things that like stuck out to me. Like, so he, it, there's not coverage on it. Like, obviously he was beating his wife. Like he has, you know, he told his psychiatrist mm-hmm. he had hit her twice. And also the weird comment about her not being afraid of him anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, so like, obviously he was being a total jerk to her, you know? And then just as I was reading it, like, it struck me that his very first shot was to a woman who was eight months pregnant. Yeah, that is really weird. Like, that is so, like, you hate women. Like, it's just a violent, like, mm-hmm. which, you know, reminded me of, like, the dad, like, beating his wife and, you know, all of that. It's just, like, you know, nature versus nurture, like, so. So, it's kind of like. The biggest dilemma, and it doesn't matter because, I mean, what he did was just awful, Mm -hmm. you know, but it is like, was he, you know, a violent person? Did he like become his dad? Like what he had, you know, mortally feared, he told the psychiatrist, like, was he just becoming his dad with those rage attacks? Super intelligent guy. Or was he actually victim to a tumor and he would just like... Well, it sounds to me like a combination. Like, that was a really bad combination to already have mental illness. It's pretty apparent. Yeah. And then also, to his environment from the moment he left the womb was abuse. Then he joined the Marines. Right. Also, another thing that um, kind of threw me for a loop, um, and it really wasn't talked a whole lot about in articles, and they showed it on one of the documentaries that I watched about him, but they didn't actually, like, discuss what it meant. And, like, so I kind of interpreted it, like, my spin was this transistor radio that he brought with him. Like, mm-hmm. you know, nowadays with shooters, a lot of motivation, we think, is, like, the notoriety. Like, oh, he wanted to hear his name said. He listened. He was listening to the news station. It's not like it was a police radio where he could hear where they were coming from. He okay. wanted to hear them talking about the shooting. So it's like he did kind of have like that violent, like he wanted to hear like the fear and yeah. like them hunting. You know, it, like there was just, you know, why are you shooting an eight month pregnant woman first shot? Like we know you can shoot anybody. You're, you know, you got the sharpshooter. Yeah. Like, you know, why do you want to hear them talking about you doing this? Like. So how, how long did this end up taking? Like, how long did this last? So he was up there shooting for an hour and a half before they got him. And Claire lived in the end. Yes, she survived. Her baby did not, and her boyfriend <gasps> did not. Because, you know, eight months pregnant, like... Yeah. Oh, that's devastating. <sighs> and Rita ended up... So Rita survived. She actually came and visited Claire in the hospital. Again. And she had made her a painting because she knew how much Claire was hurting. Rita Stargazer or Star Star Pattern Pattern. is an artist. She's an artist. How fitting is this? (laughs) So sadly, Claire and Rita never uh, communicated after Claire got out of the hospital. And then Rita passed away in, I think, 96. Oh. I think of cancer. Um, Don't quote me on that one, but I think. Wow. I'm sure they thought of each other often, though. Yeah, in in the uh, information that I read from Claire, she said like she never forgot her. She did also say something that kind of made me feel better about like, uh, you should have like followed up with her. Like, she totally risked her <laughs> Your life savior. For, like, <laughs> damn. She did say that like at the time she was hurting so much, like losing her baby and losing her boyfriend. Yeah. That 
it took her a while to kind of step back and realize, like, exactly what Rita had done for her. Mm-hmm. Like, as she, you know, kind of, like, moved past that pain. So that, you know, kind of explained. And, I mean, like, to each their own. Who knows how long that process even was. Oh, yeah. Like, she, that ship had probably sailed, like, them even being able to reconnect. Back then, I know. you can't just look up there's no Rita star pattern. Yeah. Right. So oh, I'm that's sure sad. there's only one Rita star I'm pattern. Sure but. <laughs> but is she in the was she in the phone book? Because <laughs> <laughs> again, <laughs> you had to use the phone book. Oh, that's a great and awful story. It is the most tragically fascinating. It really is. We uh, we do take uh, you know mental health very seriously, and I know we've talked a lot about Charles Whitman's. Um, brain and all that but that's not to make light of what did happen this was an absolute tragedy so we want to take a moment and we we want to remember every one of his victims because our heart is just with their families it's awful thomas ashton robert boyer thomas ekman and baby boy wilson mark gabor and marguerite lamport Karen Griffith, David Gunby, Thomas Carr, Claudia Rutt and Paul Bolton Sontag, Roy Schmidt, Billy Speed, Edna Townsley, and Harry Walchick, Kathy Whitman, Margaret Whitman. So... Yeah, we just wanted to take a moment. Obviously, this was a horrible tragedy, and we didn't want to you know, lose sight of all the lives that were lost. Absolutely. Yeah. So, mental mm. health is real, guys. Yes. Go yeah. talk to your doctors. Talk, take your meds. No, sh- men. There is no, no shame in getting help. I do love that that's becoming more. That's more mainstream and normal and people are talking about it. And yeah, totally. Of course, crime is also really prevalent now, but I mean, any steps we can take. Absolutely. Good story. Way to go. Nice one. (sighs) Okay. We need that song. You do you want to sing it? Go best friend. Go best friend. (laughs) (laughs) And then (laughs) (laughs) that happened. (laughs) That's Leslie's recommendation for our theme song. I need another glass of wine. (laughs) (laughs) This was before wine was even involved, so. (laughs) Glass number two. That's right. Just going to get worse from here. Is it? (laughs) Better worse, but yes, worse. You're a good time. We're a good time when we're drinking. We are the best pair. The worst best pair. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag the worst best pair. (laughs) That's just us. Why isn't that the name of our podcast? We're going to rename the podcast the worst best pair. I feel like people would agree with that. Everyone would agree with that. <laughs> they would. Oh, they'd be like, we hate them. Um, okay. <laughs> All right. Mine not, might not be as seamless as yours. I've only read through it twice since I changed my story today. Get your shit together. I know. I'm but kidding. I'm totally. No, really. I, I hate that I have only read through it twice, but it was, I ran across it and then I was like, Ah, I have to do this one. Okay, I'm really excited. Okay, I didn't even title it. Um, let's see, what can we name it? I, I can't even. I don't name know it. what it's about, so I, I can't, can't even name it, it at this I'll, point. Okay, I'll name it at the end. Okay, yeah, that works, and we'll just I'll edit your voice in. This story is called Super Great. That's gonna be our placeholder. <laughs> okay, 
So I'm about to blow your mind. Oh my gosh, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm really excited about this. Okay, so I heard this story um, a long time ago, like not super long, like a year and a half ago. And then when I was doing research for the story, I originally picked, I stumbled across this. And of course, I didn't know all the details back then and it was already fascinating. So when I got into it, I was like, well, I went down the rabbit hole. I was like, oh, I remember this case. I need to go back and reread. And then I was like, nope, I have to change it. So that was at um, 10 a.m. this morning. You're such an early worm. I mean, I well, I got up at like 7.45 today. That was late. That's gross. <laughs> what do you mean that's late? It is summer. Yes. Like is 10 a.m. Like, No, up. I was doing homework at 10 a.m. for this. All right. So, um... Messed up and weird story coming at you. It's it's not gruesome. Well, it's gross in some parts, but it's just really interesting. So essentially what happens in this story is a couple adopts a little girl from the Ukraine. Oh my God. Do you know this one? No, but okay. I'm just horrified. And also I would love to adopt a little girl from the Ukraine. One of my best friends adopted two little boys from Russia. One of your what? I'm sorry. What did you Why say? One of my Abilene best friends. Is that better? Yes. She's so wonderful. But they adopted two little boys from there. And the orphanages there are the ones that they know of were really bad. But this was in Florida, but the little girl's from the Ukraine. Um, but after just a short period of time being with the family, she started acting really strange and her behavior behavior came behavior. There it is. Um she started acting strangely, her behavior became downright effed up and creepy. And eventually they realized that this is some messed up shit and they were living in a complete movie script. So Wait, I do know this. You know the story or do you know the movie? Because the movie is The Orphan. Yes, I know the movie. Do you know the story? No, blow my mind. Okay, so Was it a Guillermo del Toro movie? I girl, you know I don't watch scary movies. Oh, I won't say that word. You're a chicken. (laughs) (laughs) What other animal? Uh Uh-huh, yeah. PC kitty cat. I do not watch scary movies. Um, I like a cre- good creepy story, but that movie apparently was like mm-hmm. real creepy. Mm-hmm. Okay, so from the beginning, Natalia Grace. What a name. Yeah. It, it sounds like she should have been a superstar, but that's not what happened. So she's a little girl. She's from the Ukraine, and she gets adopted by Christine and Michael Barnett. They were a good old standard Christian couple from Indiana. Christine was a parenting author and motivational speaker, so... This woman knows about parenting. Um, And she was known for her expertise in the area of special needs because her and Michael had three sons. The youngest of them, um, his name was Jake. When he was two, he was diagnosed with autism. So that's kind of where her passion came from in the authoring of the books and things like that. Okay. So um, they also ran a children's daycare. And, like, these people obviously loved kids. kids. Yeah. Jinx. Um, can we also talk about how that would be my freaking nightmare to run a daycare? Hell no. Like, it's not a secret to my close friends that I don't like other people's kids, except for, like, my friends and family's kids. And even those are, like, some of it did, them. Like, make your kids behave. I can't. And we- <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. My kids are angels. <laughs> no, that's my issue with other people's kids. I just... I. I don't like... It. Okay, so Jamie would straight tell you, Britain says she doesn't like other people's kids or dogs. She has told me before, she's like, that's... Like, that's one of your things. And I'm like, that's... That is absolutely something I say. It makes me sound like a bad person. I mean, you said it, not me. 
It's kind of true. No, I'm not kidding. <sighs> or no, I'm just kidding. No, but really, I those are I don't I don't love those things. I love your girls. I don't hate dogs. I don't care about your dogs. I don't like Trine's um, hilarious. Britain has a three-legged dog. And his eyes turn outwards like Ed from The Lion King. He's my baby. And he gets CBD when it thunderstorms because he loses his mind. And he's because like the he best. Can't. He just can't. Why can we not see inside his brain and know his thoughts? Because they would be incredible. Do you know why? Because it would be a hollow cavern. <laughs> like nothing happening. <laughs> so these these people are... You know, apparently really great people have all these kids run a daycare. In 2010, they adopted Natalia in what was called an emergency 24-hour adoption. Oh. I don't know what that even is. That sounds bad. I don't know. That's probably surely not a thing anymore. I don't even... I don't know. Like, she was, like, in dire need Well, okay. So, yeah, that'll... We'll kind of get into that in just a second. So, basically, Christine said that... I quote, I always wanted to have a larger family... And I had severe complications in my pregnancies and and was unable to have more children. She said, I also at that time had a very privileged life. I felt that if I had the ability to help another person in the world, then I wanted to do it. So also, Christine's a saint. Yes. Got it. All right. So this couple goes into this knowing Natalia's age and that her Ukrainian birth certificate said her birthday was September 4th, 2003, that she's been in the United States for two years and that her prior family had given her up for unknown reasons. You do know this? I do know this. I'm so jacked. This was like in the news kind of recently. Yes. I 100%. Okay. Yep. I'm excited. I know this. And Christine said, out of compassion for the situation, I didn't want to press them for information on what had gone wrong. Like, girl, you have to ask What questions. are you talking about? You have kids. You're going to bring someone into the house and not know yes. why it's an emergency that you take her? Yep. And also, like, I'm really noncommittal about things. Like, if someone asks me for, like, a favor, I'm like, mm, what is it? I'm not saying yes until I know all the details. You want water? I can do that. How is many, that it? How many glasses of water? Like, how big yeah. are the glasses? Is there anything else going into this? I'm Am not I refilling it. Yes. Like, I need details before committing. That is not you, actually. You're the, so generous. You're so loving. You say that. I think Dallas would be like, no, she totally makes me tell her exactly what the favor is before she will even look at like the idea of getting off the couch for me maybe i don't ask you for favors (laughs) maybe you don't (laughs) also i am a saint so uh yeah they just they know it's 24 hours the girl has been randomly dropped off from her old family and these people have to say yes or no based off of that very small list of information what right away yeah if they're gonna take her so it's not just like place her for 24 like in a 24 hour. I'm not positive. They say 24 hour adoption, but I think it does become final in that, November, but it was just like come get her. This is all the information we have. Oh, so, hell. No, like red signal yeah, everywhere. Yeah. And that the agency clearly you'll find out knows some things that they decide to withhold, I guess. Like this. Put it on me. Christine and Michael noticed right off the bat that 6-year-old Natalia could not walk. Mm-hmm. The agency just decided to not disclose that. Like, what if your home isn't suitable for a child with disabilities or handicap? Or, like, what if you know that you're not the parent for a disabled child? Like, there are special people who... Oh, my god! Yeah, so they get her, and they're like, oh, she can't walk. Okay, so what happens is they turn... It turns out Natalia has a form of dwarfism, 
and the the specific type of dwarfism she has meant that she was only going to be about three feet tall and she would have issues walking. Like, okay, it's fine. Uh, the Barnetts were excited to expand their family. They raise her as they would their own biological children. So they take this girl, they go to Disney, they go on ice cream dates, they have fun family nights, they shower her with love, and they totally just integrate her into their family like she's always been there. Yeah. Okay, so then things start getting a little weird. They took Natalia to the beach for the first time with her brothers, um, and the boys all run into the water like kids do. Well, Natalia can't walk, so she wants to be carried. She wants one of the parents to take her into the water. I mean, personally, I like to be carried into the water because I don't have to put my feet down and get pinched by a crab. You don't even so. get in the water. I really don't. But if I did, I would want to be carried. <laughs> well, so did she. This oh, okay. is not the story I thought it was. Oh, it's not? It's not. I don't think so. I don't, you'll you'll hear some of the stuff and be like, yep or no. I don't remember her not being able to walk. Oh, that's a, that's a kind of big part of it. Yeah. I oh, don't... yeah. The dwarfism is a huge part. Okay. Well, I, I, the dwarfism, yes, but not the not walking. I could, it could oh, still be the same. Do you yeah. know what I'm talking about? Surely it is then the same because the dwarfism is, you would know. So she wants to go in the water, but she wants to be carried yeah. because she can't obviously get there herself. Okay, so the, the mom and dad are like, okay, girl, like, we're tired. Give us a few minutes, and then we'll take you in the water. Like, they're tired because they have four kids. Like, am I right? Uh, yeah, it's exhausting. <laughs> At the beach? No. Four kids. No. So they're tired. They tell her, yeah, in a minute. Natalia's pissed. So she springs up and runs to the water. <laughs> what? Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Like, girl, you couldn't walk three minutes ago, and now you're, like, running towards the water like you're about to start an Iron Man triathlon. Oh. So, the parents were, I mean, I, I wasn't there, but I guess that they were like, okay, um, it's interesting. Oh, so that's weird. So, she can walk, I guess. So, I don't know if they think this is weird at this point or suspicious at all. That was the first time that things were like, um, all right, this is interesting. All right, Christine grew more alarmed when she saw the little girl naked for the okay, first time. Okay, this is the same one. Yes. Okay, I didn't know so about the walking much. thing. It is the same but one. But this is it. This is yep. when you know. 100%. So she goes to give Natalia a bath, okay? Yep. Six-year-old child, full set of pubes. Yep, 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 yep. That's... Christine said it was very apparent that Natalia was not a six-year-old child. Like, I hit puberty late. I am still, in fact, waiting for my boobs to show up. You're a baby. Yeah. I started my period at 15 years old. Like, I was such a late bloomer, like, on all fronts, and which I wish I had appreciated that more, like, to not have my period. Like, <laughs> right now, I'm like, oh, damn it, this period. Where are you, menopause? Yeah. Take I mean, this away. is it okay to be welcoming her at this point? I'm not having any more kids. But, like, the earliest back then, okay, or back when I was a teenager, the earliest that I ever knew of any of my friends having their period was 11. Now, these days we pump all of like our chickens and cows yeah. full of hormones and all that shit that has completely changed the game. But I think when I researched what I found was like the earliest that puberty generally begins is nine. So she's a six year old. And like, even if it began, like she has pubic hair. Like she has a full like, Jennifer Connelly, right? Like <laughs> full like, set of lady not hairs. just like your hormones are changing and like your bo is starting to kind of smell yeah like this lady grew in like you got a bush yes like straight up yeah no. so six years old christine was like uh no 
This is absolutely not a six-year-old child. Um, Natalia also didn't like age-appropriate toys. She enjoyed being with older girls instead of kids her age, and she had a really extensive vocabulary for a six-year-old child. Like, my kid is six, and she's the smartest, and she uses some big words. But apparently this kid's vocabulary was, like, out of this world, not normal. The example Sawyer they give... Sawyer definitely used bigger words, like, just to... Yeah, and the example they give isn't great, but apparently to Christine, it was a real, like, Okay, this is interesting. Okay. So, you know, Christine runs this daycare. Yeah. So she's so, around kids. She kind of knows. Yeah. Like, like developmentally. Be, yeah. You shouldn't be saying those things. So one day, Christine is running the daycare. I guess it's at their home. I'm not sure if there was a secondary location. But Natalia goes, these children are exhausting. I don't know how you do it. Uh, you're one of them. <laughs> and I'm sure Christine was like, preach girl but also your kindergarten age like you're the you're the problem you are why i'm exhausted yeah. so she was saying like this okay the vocabulary all of this is just getting really weird then christine began finding bloody clothing in the <gasps> trash like a period yep suggesting that natalia was having her period and trying to conceal it um natalia also hadn't grown at all and something that a child with this specific type of dwarfism she had, she should still be growing at the age of six. Obviously not at the normal rate of a six-year-old. Yeah. But she shouldn't have stopped growing at this point. And Christine says she didn't grow anymore uh, at, at that point. Christine talked to their family doctor, and he ordered a bone density test to get a better idea of Natalia's real age. The results suggested the little girl was at least... Do you want to guess? Do you want to guess how old? I, I know this story, I think. Okay, so don't tell me. He guessed that she was at least 14, if not older. I think she's older, right? Maybe. My guess is... Mm. I, I don't... Like, I never researched this story. I well, remember this just happening. Yeah, at this point, that was his guess. So, yeah, there will be years added on. But, yeah, at this point of her... She's supposed to be six. The doctor says she's at least 14, if not older. Um, She had... Yeah, so patient and kind Christine, precious woman, I think, I think, I know there's always... Kind Christine, that's her new name. Yeah, there's always another side to the story, but at this point, I'm like, bless this woman. She doesn't lose her damn mind and start running for the hills like I would have probably done. Like, this is all really bizarre. So what she does when they get home after discovering this is she switches out the princess outfits and the pink dresses for more appropriate clothes. Like, takes this in stride. Like, she she was supposed to have a six-year-old, and instead she now has a, a full-blown, 14-year-puberty, attitude, Gosh. teenager. Okay. So shit's about to hit the fan. Because it already <laughs> hasn't. Oh, my gosh, I didn't even mention this. She had a full set of adult teeth. She didn't even have baby teeth anymore. Oh. All adult teeth. What? Yeah. All right. Can you imagine how scary a six-year-old would look with adult teeth? <laughs> but she's a dwarf, so she kind of looks... Too big for her. Normal. Yeah, so everything looks normal on her, but I guess they were just like, well, everything else is indicating you're older. Let's look at your teeth. All of them are adult teeth. So she's already lost them and grown in her full blowns. Um. All right, 2011, 2012... No, but I'm saying, like, can you imagine, like, if one of our oh, six-year-olds had, like, adult no. teeth? What is that commercial with the infant? 
And he has like the whole. It looks like, like dentures. if they had like dentures. Yes, and it is totally that, creepy. No, that's what, like. Can you imagine how she would have looked if you saw this no. small chest? Like we were just talking about Sawyer and Quinn's teeth. Like they're itty bitty. They're, they're not even the size of like your pinky. Like nope, they're a quarter of my pinky. And our kids are six. Yeah. So if you can imagine our little babies with full grown adult like teeth, these teeth. Yes, you'd be like these wine stained teeth. Uh, like. <laughs> Can you close your mouth? You're or? creeping me out. <laughs> your teeth are real big. Yep. So that's where they're at with Natalia. They've discovered that she's clearly not six. And they just go with it. Because they've made a commitment. That's how they feel. They're really good people. They are. Uh, Christine mentioned an instance, though. So this is getting back to, like, when the shit hits the fan. So they, they find out she's older. They're still living life with her. She's going to move in on the dad. Oh, no, but that would have been a hell of a twist. (laughs) Christine mentioned an instance where she ran this daycare that she had stepped out of the room and was watching on the baby monitor and saw Natalia attack a baby boy. (gasps) So she's starting to exhibit, like, really shitty behavior. No. Yeah. Don't know how they handled it. Don't know what happened. But Christine spoke about this um, oh, publicly. Oh, you know how I feel about violence with babies. Yeah. And it doesn't say the extent, what it was, if it was a verbal attack or a physical attack, but clearly something completely out of the ordinary. Um, in 2000, or by 2011, Barnett said that Natalia was smearing bodily fluids on the walls and mirrors in the house. Wait, so she's not even trying to hide this anymore. No. Nope. She's like in your face. She's gone full blown, don't give a shit. Oh, yeah. God. So, uh, yeah, she's, she's smearing the bodily fluids on the walls and mirrors in the house, including blood. Um, I uh-huh. assume yep. that's what you meant. Yeah. Um, but fluid? among other bodily excrements. Oh, poop? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's making a mess. She was making death threats to the family members. You know, just want to kill you all. What? And she would stand over them while they were sleeping. Like, how creepy is this? Okay, so Quinn and Heidi have done this to me before. Not death threats. But they will come into your room. (laughs) They're not smearing poop on the wall either, right? They will come into my room and I will jerk awake from the sleep. And their face is like two inches from my face. And you know, there's like moonlight coming in the window just enough to like light up their eyes and then they look like total creepers. So like you're terrified in that moment. And like all your kid wants is a hug. Like <laughs> to cuddle. Right. In their house, they woke up to the child standing. Oh no, well the teenager standing above them that has previously told them that she wants to kill them. Something I forgot to mention also is that she started jumping out of moving cars. Oh. <laughs> wow. I'm not Positive what that looks like, but it sounds, sounds dangerous. It sounds painful. (laughs) I don't know what that means. Like, this is all the information I could find. It's like she was jumping out of moving cars. Like, I'm imagining like a car just like driving down. Like, you're going to like jump out and like roll and scream. Or was she doing it at like, at stoplights and she was like getting out and running away? I don't know. But that, that was also one of the one, one of the weird instances they talked about. Is it bad to say that they should just do an emergency? I don't, I think that there are laws. That you can't just leave the kid there? No, I mean, the same thing that happened to them, like an emergency 24 Oh, like drop her off. But they're so, they're so committed. They're such good people. And they, they've said repeatedly that we vowed to like take her in as our own. And so we're going to stick it out. 
Like, Rouge, I have limits with you. Yeah. You start you. smearing things on the walls or... She doesn't have thumbs, but she can't get into that much trouble without thumbs, right? She could also eat all your shoes, so... Oh, uh, no, that's definitely... <laughs> yeah. I, Don't touch my shoes. I will throw you from a movie. Car. She's a I'm kidding. We're not about animal violence. <laughs> but that would not be good. She's never touched my shoes, and this is a non-issue. You should see the shoe collection there is. I like it's shoes. It's available. All right, it's so... Not it's not available. Oh, no, not available for chew toys. But no. for wearing and being fancy in. Yes. Yes. Shoe dazzle. Can we plug them? <laughs> are they still a thing? <laughs> All right, so things are getting real freaking bad at the Barnett house. Also, it doesn't, like, have any accounts from the sons. Like, I can only imagine what they were thinking. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so it's all from the parents I and Natalia. I bet teachers have a lot to say. Oh, I bet. Or their little best friends or best friends' parents. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm All right, so Natalia started hearing voices as her mental health was deteriorating. She was also, Here we go. Is, she was also busted putting bleach into Christine's coffee. Ooh. Like I'll take a coffee and Bailey's, but no bleach. Like <laughs> I have bleach. my limits. <laughs> Hold the bleach. bleach on my hair. Creamer <laughs> in my coffee. <laughs> then Natalia tried to drag Christine onto an electric fence. What? During a 2012 birthday outing. Like, how much could she weigh? She's three feet. Also, like, what kind of birthday party is this? Like, right? turn off the electric fence. There's kids running around. Was this in Texas? Like, why do you have an electric fence? But yeah, I don't, is it, I mean, the only reason I know that people use electric fences is to, like, keep their animals in. But I have cows so we're from Texas. Maybe these people were keeping their kids in the yard. <laughs> Is that an option? I don't think that it is. <laughs> I feel like you might get reported for that. <laughs> Please don't do that. Yes. But I mean, at at least turn it off for the birthday party. Because kids like Natalia will try to take advantage they of it. drag their adoptive mothers. Yep. You're pissed at your mom? Throw her into an electric fence. Uh, all right. So she, at this place, or at this point, uh, Natalia, she was placed in a long-term facility um oh so they they yeah they they eventually it got to the point that it was too much so i mean they were saints for keeping her this long oh yeah seriously like so much had gone on and i guess that they finally were like it's probably not safe for yeah. other kids so she was placed in this long-term uh facility psychiatric units because she allegedly posed a risk to others. Duh. Uh, yeah, not alleged. Yeah, she straight up She did. tried to drag. <laughs> Let me mark that. Let me re-say this. She was a risk to others. <laughs> it was during her treatment that Barnett insisted that Natalia confessed uh, to being far older than she appeared. And that she exhibited mental health disorders that appear in people that are more in their late teens or early 20s. So she was also exhibiting... Huh. She she was diagnosed with these disorders that like a, a child more, like, couldn't have. Complex feelings, I guess. Maybe like they they were like more confirmation that she is not six years yeah. old. This says that she was eighteen. There are other documents that say twenty two. I'm not sure either way, but a grown ass adult is all I hear. Uh, there's also a letter from the Barnett's primary care physician Andrew McLaren, dated in March of 2012, and he says that Natalia had made a career out of pretending to be a young child. He said that Natalia fooled him, her parents, and other physicians. Mm -hmm. So basically saying she's made a career of this. So this is not sounding great for Natalia at all. Like, there's all these reports. There's also another report, though, from another doctor that did an exam on her in 2010. 
he came to the conclusion that she was only eight years old at the time. So, like, who do you believe? Then a skeletal survey a few years after that stated that she was about 11. So that kind of confirms that the years before when she was said to be eight were true. So now it's like, okay, well, is she eight or 18? You know, like, which doctor do you believe who is right? I don't know how they knew, like, who they were supposed to believe. Either way, though, in 2012, the family legally changed Natalia's age to 22 on official documents, and her year of birth was changed from 2003 to 1989. Like, when you say those numbers, it's, like, She's massive She's one jump. year younger than me. Yeah. I'm born in 88. So that was, uh, they changed it big time. Uh, at least this way, so this is why they kind of justified this choice too, I guess. At least this way, saying that she was 22, she was eligible to get the proper psychiatric treatments that she needed as an adult. So I guess insurance and things, you can't give the, these adult psychiatric treatments to these young children. But also she's the size so, of a six-year-old, so like, don't give her yeah, it's, tranquilizer. <laughs> that too. <laughs> but psychiatric-wise, like she needed special help, and she'd only get it by stating that she was an adult. The same year, the police investigated, um, and they were trying to establish whether an immigration fraud was taking place before the Barnetts had any involvement with Natalia. So basically they had... They had the same thoughts that she was possibly a career criminal doing this. Conman. Yeah. Nothing ever came of that. Wow. Yeah. It was put on the back burner and then forgotten about. All right. At this point, her age has been changed and she's considered a legal adult by the state of Indiana, Indiana, and she's now completely responsible for herself. All right. Apparently, Natalia was moved into a sort of assisted living apartment type of place, but wasn't there for very long before she was kicked out. There aren't any reasons listed, but I can only freaking imagine, like, with her track record. You can't see your shit on the wall, Natalia. (laughs) Like, really. I bet that they were just like, um, nope. How many people woke up and she was, like, hovering over them? Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I want to kill you. (laughs) Let's go play by the electric fence. Oh, it's my favorite place to play. (laughs) (laughs) But don't worry. So she gets kicked out of this place, and guess who's comes comes to her rescue? The Barnats do. Yeah, seriously, like, this girl has played them so hard, and they're so they're committed to the cause. good people. They're saints. They're like regular Dorothy Mantooths, right? Like, she, they are just always there to rescue her from everything. Natalia and Christine even come up with a plan for Natalia to enroll at a college to get her high school diploma and study cosmetology. At this point, they're planning all this out, and the Barnetts decide to get her her own apartment. Okay. Um, Christine says, I quote, I co-signed the lease for her apartment and I paid the rent for uh, up front for a year. I did everything you would do to send your child off to college. I helped her with groceries and I bought furniture at Target for her. I was optimistic. She had a concrete plan for her life. She had food stamps. She had social security income for the rest of her things. And she had demonstrated that she was able to live. Able to live? On her own? <laughs> so, so in my head, I'm thinking like a lot of the time I'm like, yeah, they're like really good people. And then I'm like, but you obviously had this mentally ill yeah. child and now you're tired of dealing with her. So you're like, eh, screw it. Just get her an apartment and we'll pay for it. Go live there. She can live. Yeah. Go do that. So she's probably so going to remember to feed herself. Yeah. So now I'm like, okay, maybe like, maybe it's getting messed up. Like maybe this is really not a good situation. All right, so she she's moved into this apartment. Bills are paid. She goes to school. 
she makes some friends um, and everything is, I guess, pretty normal. She's living as an adult in, you know, dressing not like a six-year-old anymore, just regular run-of-the-mill kid. The same year that they moved her into that apartment, the Barnett's up and moved to Canada. Oh, get the fuck out of it. Yep. Sorry, get <laughs> but this was so Jacob, their son that has autism, who did I mention that he was autistic, but he has the IQ of a genius? No. Yes. So he has an incredibly high IQ. Yeah. Um, so they moved to Canada because Jacob was going to attend the uh, Perimeter Institute for Theoretical Physics in Waterloo, Ontario. And how so, old was he at the time? I don't know. They didn't say. Ooh. Yeah. So special school opportunities for Jacob. And they needed to go with them. Yeah. So they moved to Canada and said, peace okay. out, Natalia. Life-changing event for their son. Yeah. By then, however, Barnett says Natalia and her had stopped communicating. Uh, Barnett then stated in an interview that she was actually afraid that Natalia had stopped taking her medication and was probably posing as a child again for another unsuspecting family. I wonder what kind of medication she was on. I know they oh, said that knows? she saw a psychiatrist. Yeah. Oh, can you imagine the things they diagnosed her with? Uh, but Barnett did say that she went back to the home, like the apartment, I guess, of Natalia at one point and found a little pink dress in her closet and a little pink bicycle. So Ew. she was nervous that she was doing the same thing to another family. Ew. Yeah. Then one day Barnett got a letter in the mail stating that Natalia had changed Michael, the dad, from the beneficiary of her social security income to someone else. And they don't know who, but they, I think that they were like, okay, super like bye, like just uh, no strings attached. Yeah. Done. Move on. Yeah. So, she, but Christine even says that the last time that they spoke on the phone that Natalia was like, yeah, I'm just cooking spaghetti for my family. Like things are really normal. At, like she's just cooking spaghetti. So I guess she's like, I have pubes and adult teeth and I can cook spaghetti. So they were just, I guess, okay with, Letting her go, just letting it be. Also, I guess she was like old enough to drink wine with her spaghetti. Like we can get on board with that. Yeah. Yeah. I have pubes, full teeth, love spaghetti and wine. All right. So like at the time, it's like done deal. Yeah. Right? All the things. So she's on her own. Yeah. Attending classes, cooking spaghetti, made some friends. <laughs> with her adult teeth. Yes. She's all, she's, she's good to go. Okay. No. Uh-uh. So the Barnetts are arrested for abandoning a minor and could go to jail for five years. I did know about that. So, it, yeah, it all came to a head. And this claim was based on the set of bone scans that stated that she was eight years old. Remember from earlier? Yep. So that's where they based the, these claims that they abandoned a minor because of those scans. Which so is, like, ridiculous because there are multiple scans. And they were going off of... A doctor's opinion on how old this person was. The Barnett's are, of course, completely against this. They stand by the reports that say she is a disabled adult, but an adult nonetheless. Uh, and they're they're both out on bail at this point. They their bail was set at five thousand dollars a piece. Not hard it's to meet. Small, yeah. yeah. So they're they're both out on bail. And at the time, the last the last report that I read was October of two thousand nineteen. So I don't know if this has developed any further, but at, at that point they were out on bail. The affidavit reveals also that Natalia herself told the police in 2014 that she had been quote, left alone when her adoptive parents moved to Canada. And uh, the cops concluded that she was a reliable and credible witness. So why she was talking to the cops in 2014 
I don't know. Also, we don't ever consider eight-year-olds to be reliable and credible sources. I, yes, like there's so many things that sound weird and fishy, what? right? And then also, that was in 2014, they said. Well, this was 2019, so why they waited five years to even bring this up is also really strange. Um, there's just so much at this point that isn't covered yet, or I can't find the answers for, because again, it's all new developments. I'm sure they'll come out, but until then, like we'll give an update. Um, let's see. So at this point, the Barnett's life has like been a complete shit show, right? They're now divorced. No. Yeah. And Michael is remarried. <gasps> so how he locked down somebody that was willing to take on all of this, he must have really big feet is all I can think. <laughs> Because who who says yes to even, like, dating a guy, going to dinner with a guy who's like, yeah, listen, I'm out on bail for abandoning a child. So now she marries him. So he's remarried um, with this chick. Poor Christine. Mm -hmm. She's just Which, like, who knows why they divorce? <laughs> I mean... I mean, they have a lot of reasons at this point to not like each other. Oh, wait, but wait, there's going to be, there's going to be um, a little something you'll hear too oh, that, of course. that could, that could play into that. Um, so back to that document, it also says that when an officer spoke with Michael on September 5th, 2019, he admitted he knew all along that Natalia was a minor child when she was allegedly abandoned. What? Furthermore, the affidavit adds, I quote, Michael Barnett admitted Christine Barnett told him to tell others Natalia looks young, but she's actually 22. What? Mm-hmm. Okay, but his his attorney uh, denied that this cli his client made any admission of guilt. Uh, it says he said the police affidavit is not true. Michael never see said he knew that Natalia was a child. Um, that was told to Daily Mail TV. Always has the latest gossip. So incredible. Yeah, so there's just all this back and forth. Who's telling the truth? Are the cops lying? Who's lying? He's lying. We don't know. All right, so real quick, let's talk about why the story all picked back up. Because remember, this, this went on yeah. years ago. There was a new Christian couple named Antoine and Cynthia Mans who unexpectedly applied to become Natalia's guardians. Oh my gosh. So in order to become her legal guardians though, because of the way the system works, they would first have first have to reverse the order that changed her age. Yeah, because she's an adult. Yes. <gasps> so they would have to change that back saying that she is now a minor. So that's so then they abandoned the minor. From. Yep. Yeah. So they gave this a good old college try, but the original ruling was upheld and the couple eventually dropped the guardianship petition. So the court was like, no, we're sticking to the fact that she is an adult. Okay. At this point. I feel like you should like give some dramatic. Like, <clears throat> <laughs> I don't know. Members of the jury. Wait, let me find out if it's good here or if I should use it later. Oh. Um, oh, it's good here. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Christine and Michael Barnett both stand by their stories and fight for their innocence, which is understandable. Like, they're good Christian people. They've raised these three boys. Their lives and livelihood was wrapped up in her being an author of a parenting book, in running a daycare, and being a motivational speaker. Like, this is their life. And now there are claims that, like, they abandoned a child. But even after, like, they supposedly abandoned her, they got her an apartment, they paid for the apartment for a year, they furnish the apartment. Yeah. Like, they didn't just like wash their hands of her. 
No, but also then I go back to the fact that what if she was making their life so awful that they were like, I don't even care. Take a year's worth of rent, move into the apartment. I'll furnish it. I'll buy you groceries. Just get out of my life. Could Quinn figure out how to pay rent? No, but that's what I'm saying. Like if she was 14 or 22 or 16, because no one really knows how old this girl is. Golly. So is it like, are they being saints or at this point, are they just like, screw this. I'm washing my hands of it. Yeah. Um, so Christine says, I am being charged by the state of Indiana for crimes against a child when the state of Indiana has determined multiple times that Natalia was an adult. From day one, this is a mission of love. But when you bring a child into your home, you expect them to be a child. To be accused of this is, an uncon is unconscionable to me. It's just horrifying. Now, Natalia is apparently living with some pastor's family in Indiana, and things are golden for them. The family treats Natalia like a teenager, and it's all sunshine. Does she rub shit on their walls? Is, I don't know. This is the last thing that I, I found about where she actually is now. So, like, in three years, we're going to hear that, like, oh, something she else. stuck the mom's head in the oven. I can only imagine. I hope that doesn't happen. That sounds insane. Oh, I know. But, but, like, at this point, she's like, done she so much. she was dragging Christine to an electric fence, yeah. like... What is she going to do this mom? But, like, who knows? Like, she obviously did something to the prior family. So nobody ever followed back with no. them? No. No one said. Because I don't think they can even because probably release that child, information. I guess. Yeah. Technically. So now she's jacked with the Barnetts. Now she's with this other family. All right. So that was kind of, that was kind of the end. Wow. And then there was a tiny bit of snooping left. Ooh. And Daily Mail reports that um, they found a woman claiming to be Natalia's birth mother in Ukraine. She told the site that her daughter is a child and that she was forced to put her up for adoption because of the girl's physical disabilities. So there, there's some other unverified crazy crap and the case is still new, but the woman does say Natalia's um, age is 16 years old at this point. So they would have abandoned her when she was a child. The woman whose name I will absolutely slaughter. Oh, let me I'm so excited. Her name is Anna, but let me spell her. No, um, pronounce it. Pronounce first. Vol Volada Marivna. Oh, that's pretty. Gava. Oh, it's the last name. And the Gava. She told Daily Mail that she was forced to give up Natalia 16 years ago when the girl was a child or an infant. Because her and Natalia's dad divorced and she could not financially take care of her. Um, she says, daughter, forgive me for what I, what happened 16 years ago. Visit soon for me to see you. We are waiting for you. You have two sisters and two brothers. Daily Mail TV saw documents from the orphanage that took Natalia in showing that she was admitted in October 2003. The document and Gaba's comments would suggest that Natalia is, in fact, a child, despite Barnett's <gasps> claims. Gava told Daily Mail that she was told good people in America would be adopting Natalia. Gava said Natalia remained in an orphanage for five years until an American couple adopted her in 2008. She says, they told me these are good people in America. They will pay for everything. The child will be normal. She told them at uh, Daily Mail TV that they said that the Americans would do a surgery um, that she wouldn't be able to afford. They said the surgery was going to be like $80,000 and all she wanted for her was for her child to have, to look normal, which I know sounds bad, but in this woman's mind, that's what she wanted. 
and wanted her to live a normal life. I, I mean, I feel like if my kid had a disability and I could pay money to help them lead a yeah. know, more average life, mm-hmm. I would pay anything. So that's what she did. Yep. Absolutely. Um, it says the American family who adopted, originally adopted Natalia gave her up in 2010. So it says she was adopted in 2008. They gave her up in 2010, as documents indicated, two years. And Christine and Michael Barnett took her in. And that was where the Barnetts and Natalia began. And all of this stuff followed after that. So all of my sites were like insider.com, Daily Mail, and Crime and Investigation. They all say the same thing. There's nothing new with the case and what's happening and who's right and wrong and who's lying. But that is the story of, the story of Natalia. Story of. The story of Natalia and the Ukraine. It's pretty jacked up. I hate to say this, but like, poor Natalia. Well, but also, like, what if she is really oh, a yeah. child yes. who, like, has gone through some shit? So, wait, let's go through the math here. Okay. So, 2003 was her birth date. They changed her age, the Barnetts did, in 2012, 2012 to 22. So, at that point, yeah, nine years old. So, I don't know how old she is. I have no idea if she is in her 30s or... Britain, this is fascinating. <laughs> like, I feel like I want to spend all tomorrow just looking into this. But you can't. Like, there's not enough information. I think in a few years, like, maybe that'll be different. I did see that she did a show with Dr. Phil. I did not watch it. So maybe that should be something that we go and do. Okay. Because you can look at this girl's pictures, mm-hmm. and now that she is, like, presenting as an adult, she looks like an adult. But she does not technically look different than when she was presenting herself as a child. Like, her her features are not that different. But would a child... I, I don't even know. Yeah, it's weird. It's all really weird. So that's that's my crazy story for the week! Wow. Yep. So I, there we are. I need another glass of wine. <laughs> week two, wrapped up. Go pop that bottle, girl. It's coming. <laughs> I feel like this was easier when we had been drinking. Like, I'm glad we're not. And like, well, so I think the first one, you feel like you have to preface everything. But it also just felt like way more like, fine, I'll chug this. No, I'm just saying, like, I'm sweaty. Like, I was not <laughs> nervous last time because I was, like, in such a good buzzy place. Like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> I don't know.